All right, welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! watching podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Ellie. Yeah. And, and um, today we are not watching Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> we have, we're reading it instead. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, we didn't stray too far off topic. Yeah, but this is going to be the first of several, we're thinking of sprinkling in bonus episodes here and mm-hmm. there. Because um, it wouldn't be a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast run by me if I didn't find the opportunity to discuss everything that happens in the manga. Also because, uh, as we're going to go over today and in future manga-only episodes, a lot of cool shit happens in the manga that due to, you know, censorship and good taste has to be cut out. Or just whatever reason. Oh, you can't show murder or perverted babies on Japanese television? Weenies? (laughs) yeah so the the subject i think we're gonna do we're gonna do bonus episodes at various points and we're probably gonna have bonus episodes talking about like lots of different kinds of things but for Mm -hmm. this one um what we're specifically talking about is we thought we'd go over some of the chapters of the manga that were not adapted that um for whatever reason be it censorship or otherwise toei decided that um they were not going to adapt these into episode into anime episodes so uh, and of course, because Dual Monsters like starts at a certain point, neither of the shows versions of the show I've ever touched like these specific parts of the manga. So I, I have a fun exercise we should do while we do these manga chapters, Ellie. I think we should, after the episode, figure out why it was censored in most cases, or not adapted in most cases. That's pretty straightforward, and then very quickly. Um, say what we would change if we were making like the Toei episode. Okay, like imagine that we're the Toei animation directors and we're pitching. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's how we're going to do this one. Here's how we're going to change it. I have, I actually took some notes on this, so it might just be me, but I think there's oh, thank some, you. a lot of funny potential. Uh, and Fantastic. I love to hear your perspective. <laughs> so I just want to say that if you, if there is, I don't know if this is actually true of anybody listening. But if there is anybody listening to us who is like, has seen the anime, but has not read any of the manga, I would highly encourage you to go Mm -hmm. and read these because they're really fun. They're pretty short and um, hashtag no sponsorship. (laughs) But um, the Shonen Jump app is like extremely affordable. (laughs) It's only, is it, I think it's $2 a month, maybe $3. For if you are like, I want a convenient legal comic subscription, like Shonen Jump is literally so cheap that I have never deleted, I have never unsubscribed from it because I'm like, yeah, I'll pay $2 a month to have every Shonen Jump comic accessible. But what I was going to say is that the first chapters we're talking about are chapters two and three. And like, as like a sampler or whatever on the Viz website, they have those um, chapters for free. Oh, nice. I'll probably I'll link to them in the show notes but like you can just go and you don't even have to um, pay right away you can yeah you don't have to in. pay you can read them they they put up like all of the like earliest the first few chapters of every series are like free on their site so good for them yeah so um our first chapter that we're going to discuss I have my notes just crackling them in the microphone. Get that fully working oh, there. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, so our power went out earlier today, and normally I would take notes on a Word document, but... Old school today. Yeah, I was, was without power and without Wi-Fi, and I was like, what am I going to do? Well, I might as well take these podcast notes, and because I have the manga physical copies, I just took them on paper. So if you hear any, like, background paper rustling, I'm sorry. Nostalgic. I, I don't know. I think that's good. Yeah, no, it was kind of interesting to be like take to be taking notes. I was like, wow, I feel like I'm back in school. (laughs) Time for Yu-Gi-Oh homework. (laughs) I know they're even color coded. (laughs) Hashtag Dual Academy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah, my my class at Dual Academy. Mm -hmm. This would be Mm -hmm. history. Uh, This would be like Dual Monsters history. Learn about your dueling elders. (laughs) Well, there's no Dual Monsters in any of these, so they probably they won't teach it at Dual Academy. True, true. There's no Duel Monsters and there's no Kaiba because um, Kaiba is the owner of Duel Academy according to Yu-Gi-Oh! GX lore. (laughs) Uh, What kind of propaganda is he spitting? Honestly, I don't believe that. He has to just be like a board member because like if he truly owned it, there'd be like blue eyes stuff everywhere. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah, uh uh-huh. 
why are we talking about GX? <laughs> it's always on the back of my mind. <laughs> we'll we'll have probably a whole episode on GX, and maybe if we finish Duel Monsters, we'll just fucking watch GX next. <laughs> That'll be like six years from now, but I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> All right, so the first chapter that we're going to talk about is um, chapter two of the manga, which is called Lying Eyes. So this is literally, again, chapter two. So this is literally immediately after the introduction. So um, cast your mind back to um, the first episode when Yugi first put the puzzle together and everything. The immediate next adventure, we see Yugi and Jinochi like at school and they're talking about this video that Jinochi lent him, which is a porn video. And he's like, all of the good bits were censored. You have to watch it while squinting. <laughs> <laughs> like mosaic censorship love how uh last episode episode 10 i believe when that girl had a crush on joey and she was like what is joey like and like three different people were like oh pornography this episode that's yeah, just uh, a callback <laughs> yeah i don't actually know consistent character trait i don't actually know if i'm gonna release this like immediately after that one but we'll see how it works out but yeah Either way, back in episode 10 then <laughs> yeah so, you know, mm -hmm. in character, that wasn't just a joke, that's in character. That's an essential part of his character, that he's a porn connoisseur. Yeah, they pulled that out of, right, that, they pulled that right out of the manga. Mm -hmm. um, so then we see, like, a, there's, like, a TV van outside Domino High that's going to be filming. And the director is talking about how they want to show, um, they want to expose school bullying. And then Yugi and Jinochi see the van, and they're trying to look inside, and Yugi presses his face up against the side of the van, and the director, I guess it's like one-way glass. The director is turns to his, his assistant director and he's like, that boy has a naturally bullyable face. And he's right. <laughs> it's just, it's like an inherent quality. I love that somebody could take one, this man could take one look at Yugi. Be like, oh, this kid gets the shit beat out of <laughs> this child. is a bullying victim. And you know what? He's it's, not wrong. He's not so wrong. It's so sad. <laughs> Poor Yugi. So yeah, so he tells his the assistant director, pretend to be a student at the school and go in and like secretly find video. We need to get video of kids getting beaten up, basically. They're literally like, we, we just want to make like a bullying snuff film documentary. Very, very fun. Very ethical. Mm -hmm. Super, yeah, super ethical. So um, because they saw this van, um, Yugi and Jinochi start talking about the possibility of what if there is a star that goes to our school? And they're like, oh, it's a it's a secret. There's a secret star who doesn't want people to know that they attend here. And basically it snowballs into this rumor that everybody's talking about. Although Anzu mm -hmm. does try to like bring them back to reality. A fruitless endeavor. <laughs> the assistant director guy now dressed as a student, he hears them talking and he comes up to Yugi and he's like, hey, hey you're actually completely right about this whole star thing. And I know who the star is and it's a hot chick and I can introduce you to her. Okay, he doesn't actually say she's hot. He says that there's like a woman. It's implied if she's an idol and everything. Yeah, exactly. Either way, Yugi's just like, I 100% believe you, random kid I've never met before. He just goes with it. He's, um, he is kind of gullible, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> he just believes in the best in people. He just tamed one bully literally like last chapter. That's true. So we he went from like bullying him to now they're literally best friends that share porn. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, it's possible with anybody. And as we know, sharing porn is the true mark of friendship. <laughs> Just bros being bros. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being What's dudes. What's better than this? <laughs> <laughs> it did make me, make me think of um, the MDZS line where Wei Wushan is like, you've seen my porn and now you're my friend. <laughs> And we all know how that ended up. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's gay. I can prove it. I do want to just say one quick thing is like the ironic thing is the, the director didn't have to set all this up. If he literally had just followed Yugi for the rest of the week, he could have seen Yugi get like get bullied in like his natural habitat and he wouldn't have had to do all this unethical shit i mean i guess it would have been unethical to like not in his natural habitat <laughs> it literally been like oh this guy gets beat up every week wow like clockwork <laughs> you know that you he just didn't couldn't invest in the long term but but mm -hmm. yeah we'll see we'll see how it ends up for him now yeah so yugi shows up come to this particular spot at this time 
and you'll meet the star. So Yuki shows up. He's acquired a bouquet of flowers from somewhere. <laughs> and he's like, wow, I can't wait to meet the star. And then um, the uh, AD comes up and is like, psych, there is no star. You fell for it and punches him in the face or like punches him in the stomach rather. Um, oh, and this is being secretly filmed uh, from the bushes by the director and the camera guy. So then Jinochi, as apparently, I guess, followed Yugi and comes bursting out and is like, how dare you hurt my friend? Tries to, like, defend him. And the director is like, cut. Now you're the star. And then uh, Jinochi tries to hit the director. And the director is like, um, you can't hit me because um, the cameras are rolling. I'll film it. I'll catch it on camera. And then he's like, all right, now cameras turn off. And then he hits Jinochi. <laughs> It's truly that um that one cartoon that's like it's media with the <laughs> dynamite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, uh this pisses Yugi off. We get like a Yami transformation, the puzzle glows. Well, um we we actually like we see the puzzle glow and then we see the director walking away and he's like, Don't worry your face will be uh, censored with a mosaic like to protect your identity when this when this airs. Mm -hmm. So then Yami shows up. We see the um, offices of the TV station. Uh, not sure how Yami like found out where these people are based. Okay, or this anything. is another this is another reoccurring theme in these next couple chapters is Yami always appears and it's like, how did he know? Or sometimes the antagonist of the episode is like oh you called me here and it's like how did yami get their phone numbers yeah there's this... it's in the puzzle it's in the millennium puzzle don't worry about it don't worry about it yeah this is early <laughs> exactly. days where i feel like takahashi had not really decided what are the powers of the millennium puzzle in any concrete way mm -hmm. and he was just like oh it lets him do stuff so i'm just gonna have him like do mysterious stuff i'm totally fine with that honestly yeah Oh, 100%. But it's just interesting to me how later on, as Yami becomes more of, like, a character where we get, like, all of his internal thoughts and is the protagonist and, like, we're exploring more of that stuff, there's, like, more definition put on, like, what the Millennium Puzzle Well, he gets nerfed. Do. He can't do as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is actually, it's kind of fun because then it's, like, the stakes get higher and then he feels more human. He's such a, like, otherworldly entity right now. And, like, mm -hmm. he kind of, uh, as he gets closer to Yugi, he, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I guess I just wish that, like, I feel like there's a happy medium there yeah. that would have been cool. Where, like, if he had really clearly defined at the beginning, like, what sort of dark powers the puzzle gives you maybe Yami could have... Or some sort of trade-off where it's like the more people you like kill or defeat in shadow games, the stronger you are. So when Yami kind of cools down and doing shadow games and does more like honorable actual duels, he gets weaker, mm -hmm. but like ethically he's getting better. So it's like this thing where it's like, oh, I'm not constantly engaged in death battles, but it means that I can like actually befriend people that I duel rather than like, these constant shadow games, which are mm -hmm. bad. Um, yeah. Which uh -huh. like, I feel like if this series didn't end up a total cash grab that could have been a cool message if it hadn't become all card games all the exactly. time there might have been more of that yeah exactly. uh -huh. yeah it's interesting but yeah too bad i didn't write you you know <laughs> yeah so anyways so um yami shows up at the studio and he's like it's time to play a game he says it is a dice game and uh, he has a die you know a six-sided die mm -hmm. and then he says um that people have been betting with dice since the days of ancient Egypt. And then he says, but um, back in the day, we used the knuckle bones of animals and we called them astragali. And uh, this, um, I thought of this specific panel just the other day because randomly in my life. So I've been trying to learn Greek mm -hmm. and I learned that the Greek word for an for your ankle is astragalos so it's like that's the same like astragali and then i realized that so like it is an ancient greek word and then so astragali there that's like a latin plural yeah so it's a latin word that came from greek and it's still the word in greek that's really cool all i can think of is there's a final fantasy i think 14 campaign called astragalos <laughs> yes that's interesting. It's just like it's just like a campaign because it's an MMO. I have not played Final Fantasy 14 in a while, but it's I guess they were like 
dice, ancient Roman dice. It sounds cool. Yeah, it was just like a, a capture the flag type campaign. So not anything particularly related. They were just like, this sounds cool. But Final Fantasy does that a lot where they take like Latin and Greek and random words and be like, this sounds baller. <laughs> yeah, they had a big old Latin dictionary and were like, hmm, this I mean, one's cool. But anyway, what's what's Yami going to do with this dice? What complicated game is he going to think of? Yeah, it's, yeah, the extremely, <laughs> extremely advanced and difficult game is literally just each of them is going to roll a die and then whoever gets the lower number is the winner. Mm-hmm. It's This is very deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> skill-based, very skill-based. Yeah, totally. And so, and he even says, um, if uh, we tie, I'll let you win. Like, I'll give you the tie. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll go first. The game has started. He rolls and he gets a six. And the director is like, oh, you got a six? Well, then that means that no matter what I roll, then I'll still win. Mm-hmm. And Yami's like, yeah, okay, but you still have to roll. So then <laughs> instead the director is like, I have a genius idea. For some reason he decides to throw the die directly at Yami's forehead. And it's is his like, hubris. It's his rage, you know? It's his sin manifesting itself. Symbolism. <laughs> Symbolism, yes. Yeah, so he just throws it right at him. You see like a flash of light and the die lands and he sees that it's a one and he's like, oh, it's one. Yami's like, no, look again. <laughs> and the die has broken in half. So there's a one, the one side and the six side are like both sitting upright because the die mm-hmm. had broken half. And he's like, okay, then that means it's a seven. So you have a higher number. So you lose, which I feel like is BS. No, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it's cool. So it's fair. That's my, it's my general sports logic is like, if somebody does something cool, I'm like, against your roles, I don't give a shit about that. How cool does it look? <laughs> yeah, it is cool. But it is definitely like, okay, these are not like the terms that you would expect. So anyways, he's lost. His penalty game, which is called Mosaic Illusion, mm-hmm. is that he starts to see the whole world under a mosaic filter, and then Yami is like, everything you see will be censored. And uh, that's pretty much the end, except for a brief, cute stinger, where um, uh, the next day at school, the kid's hanging around. Oh, and, and Jinochi's like, I'm going to lend you the, to the porn tape to Yugi. And then Anzu is like, hmm, this sounds interesting. Maybe I'll take this tape to mess with them. <laughs> and then they're like, no, give it back. <laughs> yeah, well, anyways, I hope Anzu enjoyed that porn and had her bisexual awakening. Um, we don't see any of that, Good of course. For Good for her. <laughs> yeah, so in terms of, really quickly, if I was to rewrite this episode, it actually be pretty easy to rewrite mm-hmm. and not obviously the porn stuff is like they can sort of talk about it so like i guess keeping the slight stinger would be i mean fine. they talked about it in that one i'm not clear on like what they can and can't talk about but they mm-hmm. definitely they talked about Genoji liking porn videos in the one that we in that episode that we just watched so i don't see why they can't exactly so i think it. this one would be fine because like they show yugi being beat up obviously they have to like cut away but mm-hmm. you know i think it would be this one could have been adapted so i don't have any problems with it you know yeah, I think the only reason that this, like, wasn't adapted is just because, like, they had other ones, and mm-hmm. this is probably, this is only one chapter. Like, whenever they have any of those, like, one chapter, the, the stories, they're only one chapter long, they have to add a bunch of stuff to expand it, mm-hmm. because, like, one chapter is not really enough material for a full episode. Maybe they could have added an elaborate backstory where it turns out that the assistant director was actually pulling the strings all the time, all along, and the director was his human pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For example. Not that they do anything that weird, but you know. You know, something, just something like that. I'm just spitballing. I don't know, because I was trying to think how, how do you add Honda and Miho into this? Oh, I feel like they actually they could have ex- they could have included like uh more stuff on the idol thing where like Miho would have been like I want to be the idol. Yeah. She's also trying to find the idol because she's like trying to take out her competition or something, and Honda mm-hmm. decides to like help her simp in some way or all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she tries to convince people she's the undercover idol or something like that. I feel like that's where that would have gone. Yeah, that would be fun. But honestly, I think that the main I feel like one 
reason this wasn't adapted might be because the game is like really simple. That's true. You can't really mm-hmm. elaborate on that. All right. So um, that was, yeah, that was chapter two, which I guess means it's about time to move on and do chapter three. Um, oh, in between uh, chapters two and three in the uh, manga, there was like a, they included a maze like, it's a picture of the Millennium Puzzle that's been turned into a maze, and um, nine-year-old me did fill this out in blue pen, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my copy, so, Aww. every time I look at it, I'm like, cute, but also, yeah, the trick of the maze is that you have to go up through the loop of the puzzle, which was, like, oh. hard to... Oh, yeah, that's not something yeah. you normally think of. Clever. And I eventually got it, though. Yeah, there's um, that is one of the things that's fun in the manga is there's a lot of like, especially in the early ones in between chapters, they'll put in these like little games and stuff mm-hmm. where he'll just be like, I invented this weird game you can play. There's one that's like uh, find the difference between these two pictures and stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, chapter three is called Hard Beat, which is in a weird title, but uh... <laughs> for a weird chapter. Yeah, this is a this is an odd one, but it is one that I like because me too. I like the game at the end, which we'll get into. We open with some pretty cute narration from Yugi, where he's getting on the bus to go to school. To him, he's thinking to himself, uh, every day when I get ready to go to school, I think to myself, I hope something fun happens today, (laughs) which I just think is very (laughs) cute. It's his eternal his eternal optimism. I hope I don't get beat up today, and (laughs) you won't win. Oh, poor Yugi. Uh, then on the bus, um, Yugi sees this kid, uh, Hanasaki, and he's like, oh, hey, this is another kid from my class. So Hanasaki is this short guy with glasses. Even shorter. Well, actually, okay, wait. He's slightly taller than Yugi, I think. He's slightly taller except for the hair. So it's like Yugi only has an edge on him because of the hair. Or it depends on the panel drawn. You don't really get a good shot of them, like, right next to each other, but they look like they're about the same height. Yeah. Quick thing, um, back on one of our favorite episodes, uh, Ellie, the underhanded digital pet rebellion. Yes, the digital pet one. That one back when the pet happened, um, so the character who ends up being evil, um, Hayama. Yeah. When I first watched that episode, I thought Hayama was basically the equivalent of Hanasaki because he'll never yes. show up in season yes. zero. I thought the exact same thing. Which I think made the twist even more, more alarming. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know why they would change it from Hanasaki to Hayama. I guess I get why they would give him purple hair, just because they're giving everybody weird hair. But then they're, it's like, oh, okay, they're just not doing this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. When he when Hayama first showed up in that episode, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. And I was like, no, you did not see what they were doing. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, sadly he doesn't appear in season zero, even though he appears in a couple chapters and he's really cute. So um, Yugi's like, damn, the bus is really crowded today. And then he sort of falls out of the back of the crowd and he realizes that the reason the bus is so crowded is because everybody is giving a really wide berth to this, like, gigantic guy. <laughs> Intensely sharp hair, too. This is um another example of, like... How all of the bad guys in early Yu-Gi-Oh! Look, they're, they're JoJo's Bizarre Adventure style 17-year-old high school boys. JoJo rejects. They're JoJo rejects. Yeah, 100%. Where they're like six feet tall and hella jacked. <laughs> <laughs> and like all look like punks, but without the heart of gold. Tragic. Yeah, exactly. So this guy's name is Sozoji. And he has uh, like headphones on. Basically, he's blasting music really loudly from... Mm-hmm his um what is it called a boom boom box yep yui's like shit it's this guy and then he explains to us that basically sozoji has this like bullying scheme thing that he does regularly where he makes people come to a karaoke bar and listen to him like he forces people to come to a karaoke bar and listen to him do really, really loud, bad karaoke at like maximum. We volume. see some reactions from people too, and apparently it literally causes physical sickness and like madness. That's how mad it is. Yeah. And apparently Yugi has um been uh forced to do this uh twice before. Um yeah, so Suzoji's like 
uh, Yugi, um, I want you to sell tickets to my live show. <laughs> and he forces this wad of tickets on them and is like, okay, they're 2,000 yen, which I guess is around 20 bucks each. Mm-hmm. Make people pay to buy tickets and then come. Or else I'm going to beat you up. Yeah, or else I'm going to beat you up. Um, so then Yugi's at school. There's a, there's a, it's cute that there's like a, or one chapter to the next chapter, direct continuity here. Mm-hmm. Because on um, the first thing we see is um, Junochi being like, oh, so I did some more research and I, there's definitely not a star at this school. And Yugi's like, what? You're still on that? Yeah, no, duh. <laughs> it's okay because I'm going to become the first very famous star from this school, which is cute. We get this shot of like him like posing and in the background, Yugi's mm-hmm. kind of looking dejectedly at his desk. Uh, Joey's just immediately like hey what's wrong what are you worrying about tell me I'll help you however I can and he just like there's an like a huge shot of him just looking so sincere uh and it's so sweet (laughs) it's very cute we love their friendship and Yugi's like it's okay you cheered me up and that's what matters (laughs) we're just like no Yugi you can tell him I know (laughs) but he doesn't so basically, Yui's like, I can't bear to subject my friends to um, this. And then um, as they're on the way out of school that day, as he's like on his way out, he sees Hanasaki at the lockers. And then he's like, oh, maybe I could ask him to buy the tickets. And then immediately he feels bad. Just because I'm not super close friends with him, I think that I'm going to try and, you know, punish him to take the tickets. But then, surprise... Yugi's shocked because Hanasaki actually pulls out tickets and it turns out that he's also been asked to try and sell tickets to the Suzuki yell recital, bad karaoke <laughs> recital. And then Yugi's like, oh, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, give me all of your tickets. I'll sell them. You don't have to worry about it. So basically Yugi is trying to like take it onto himself that way only one person will have a bad time. Aww. That's what he says. I should be the only one who suffers. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out, unfortunately, it turns out that Sozoji actually, like, saw this whole thing happening. And then he's like, oh, you think you could get out of this easy? No, you can't. And he um, gets pissed off. So then the day of the recital comes um yugi did not sell any tickets obviously mm-hmm. because nobody wants to go to these fucking shows <laughs> and um they're in the karaoke bar we do have to talk about what suzoji is wearing this scene. <laughs> yeah first to set the scene they're in like a karaoke room it's got a disco ball yugi's sitting there dejectedly with like little hand tambourines depressingly clanging them together <laughs> depressing jingles so soji's wearing what i can only describe as like an intense cowboy elvis getup. yeah i wrote where's uh elvis slash village people slash disco looking nonsense (laughs) is the exact what i wrote down i could not have put it any better that's literally perfect because it's like cowboy elvis it's like this sort of the elvis famous white outfit but then it's got huge um what are those called? Those like dangly things. Uh, fringe. Like fringe. Tassels. It's got yeah. huge fringe, like just super long fringe. There's flame decals on like the side of his sleeves and pants. Just an insane, that all of the worst things of the 70s combined. Into a single you know, outfit. it's really a bummer that this wasn't animated because we didn't get to see Toei apply their like extremely aggressively bright color palette to this outfit. Can you That's imagine? true. It could have been phenomenal. Ugh. <laughs> I'm going to have to check how they colored it in the, um, in the colorized uh, manga <laughs> later because uh, it's pretty wild even in black and white. So yeah, so he's like, um, all right, so in order to punish you for not selling the tickets, he pulls out a pair of headphones and gives them to Yugi and is like, you're going to have to listen to me singing mm-hmm. um, with these headphones on. The volume all the way up, baby. Yeah, turn the volume up to 11. Um, so everybody should be really worried for Yugi's hearing. It's going to be damaged, <laughs> like when people go to too many concerts and stuff. <laughs> um, uh, so she's like, all right, next up is our special guest. And then he brings out Hanasaki. He pulls back a curtain. Just like, this guy is such a dramatic asshole that you kind of have to appreciate his craziness. Sadly, I absolutely do. I really do. Yeah, this is one of my favorite just like Yu-Gi-Oh minor villains just because he's so <laughs> buck wild. 
<laughs> and again, I appreciate the, the style, if not the actions taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Hanasaki is beat up really badly. His glasses are even busted, which is like, oof, for anybody who has glasses, because you know that shit's expensive. <laughs> Can't relate, but I empathize. Oh, don't you wear contacts? No. No? No glasses, no contacts. I have 2020 vision, baby. Oh, dang. I'm just stupid, so sometimes I can't see stuff. I have bad, like, perception because I, like, especially when I drive, just because I'm I'm the opposite of distracted. I get, like, hyper-focused, and so I'm really good at having, like, good peripherals. So people think I have bad vision, but I'm just stupid. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What a tragedy. (laughs) What a waste of good eyes. (laughs) Yeah, um... Uh, Yugi's like, oh no, Hanasaki, like, oh, I was I was only trying to help, and then basically goes over to check on him, and they're, like, apologizing to each other, basically, that each of them tries to take the blame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very sweet, and then we see the puzzle flash, Yugi has, like, turned into Yami, Yami dramatically takes off the headphones and is like, hey, guess what, let's play a game, unless you're a coward. <laughs> <laughs> The game is, he calls it the silence game. Okay, I have a little question about the logistics of this, which is like, why did he have these? <laughs> he just, it's part of his shadow powers again. He can just pull them out. Because um, cause Yami pulls out two, like... I feel like, okay, uh, legitimately, this actually makes more sense than him knowing where people are, because I feel like they're just in the Millennium Puzzle. Like, you know, he has all the toy room stuff. I feel like he can just be like, I'm going to conceptualize it from the toy rooms that I have from all of he my He has a rooms. bag of holding inside. Like, he can... Yeah. <laughs> Unironically that. <laughs> he can summon game paraphernalia. I feel like that would vibe with his thing as, like, the master of all games. King of games. It's possible also that these were, like, at the karaoke bar. Like, that he would just step outside. But we haven't even said what it is. There are these, like, weird little... They call them sound Piero, and they're creepy as shit. Clown things. Yeah. Where he explains that um they're activated by sound. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you make a sound near them, then they'll start dancing around and making noise. This is a real thing. Like I've seen this type of toy before. It's like a lot of um Halloween trickster toys too. Yeah, yeah it's never been a clown, but it should be because that's creepy as shit. Yami bets is like uh yeah we the game is that we both have to be completely silent. So whoever tr- triggers this clown first loses. Yeah, the first, they put one clown in front of each of them, and the first one of them who makes a noise and activates the clown (laughs) will lose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're sitting there, it's very tense. Suzoji notices that um, there is one, like, small mistake that Yami, he's like, oh no, Yami made a mistake. You know, like, this kid made a mistake. So when Yami, like, sat down with his headphones, the, um, the end of the headphone, headphone jack got stuck on the rim of a glass of some kind of drink mm-hmm. that they have in front of them. So it's teetering and is right about to fall. And yeah. he's like, it's going to fall. It's going to fall. It's going to fall. It's going to fall. Getting really, you know, focused on it. And then the clown goes off and he's like, what the hell happened? It was his clown and not Yugi's clown. And he's like, how? I thought it was yours. The headphone jack didn't fall yet. And it turns out that um he was still clinging onto his microphone extremely tightly in his hand. It was the microphone and he turned on this like sensitivity for his microphone so high. To maximum. Because he wanted to be as loud as possible. Yep. That his microphone was picking up his own heartbeat mm-hmm. and the heartbeat was being amplified and coming out of the speakers. Yep. And that was making a noise. He's been done in by his habit of holding onto his microphone all the time. And um, the penalty game that Yami punishes him with is that he constantly hears his heartbeat in his mind and it gets louder and louder and he can't stop the sound. It's very um, the telltale heart. Telltale heart. I was about to say he got he's, he got telltale hearted. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. which they actually reference at least. I don't know if this is like in the original, but in the Viz translation, Yami says... You can listen to the beating of your own telltale heart. I love that. They make that like an explicit reference. It may or may not have been. I know that isn't like Poe very popular in Japan or did I make that up? I don't know. We'll have to ask our Japan ex because I do not know. 
I feel like I remember like hearing somewhere that Edgar Allan Poe stories were well known and like in Japan. I feel like that would make sense because I feel like I've seen a lot of manga or like one-off manga chapters that are based off of Poe stories, like Telltale Heart, Raven stuff. Definitely some um one with the guy who gets boarded up in the basement. Cask of Amontillado. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, lots of horror mm-hmm. manga I read have chapters based off of that. I mean, it's a pretty. I think they should have like continued this trend, and that there should have been like a Cask of Amontillado shadow game later in the manga. <laughs> I don't know how they game that. I guess that would be part of the punishment. I don't know how you game it either. <laughs> oh, it's a corrupt. It's a corrupt wine cellar. I don't know why they. Wait, no, I guess they're underage. Mm, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll work it out. <laughs> I was gonna say it'll they'll drink like um sparkling grape juice or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like a, a like a version of wine that would be okay for them. But instead, I almost said it'll be about cheer wine. <laughs> <laughs> New wine just dropped. <laughs> Wait, no. Do you know what cheer wine is, Jenny? Oh no, I've never heard of that. What is that? Uh, it's my my southern upbringing. Um. Cheerwine is only sold in like Virginia and Kentucky, um, North Carolina. It started in North Carolina um, and like the Carolinas and the South, but it's like a cherry soda, but it's like an extremely iconic thing in the Carolinas specifically. That sounds actually really tasty, but I've never had it. I once went to um, an anime convention and there was a booth where they were literally, there was like a booth for cheer wine where they were just passing out cheer wine. I guess it's like a welcome to Charlotte thing. <laughs> Accurate that. It's, hey, it sounds like they were capturing a Carolina spirit. So respect. Fruit soda is the only soda I like. So I would not mind that, I guess. Yeah. If you ever come down here, I'll, I'll give you some cheer wine. You can tell me if it's good because I've never had it because I don't like soda. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> I just know that it's a thing. Um, yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's chapter three. What do we think about adapting this one? Because I think we can just do it almost exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. And I will say one of the things I think is saddest is that I think the Hanasaki character honestly did have a lot of potential for what they could have adapted. Like if they wanted more stuff, I think they could have had him be a side member of the gang as well as Miho. Yeah, Hanasaki's cool. I want to see him show up more. Yeah, but he does not. I also wrote down in my notes, I'm not sure what, like, prompted, like, what, there was no, like, way to bring this up, but, um, I wrote down, do people ship Yuki and Hanasaki? Because I'm like, I could ship it. Does it have a ship name in the list? I need to know. So I'm, I'm, I want to check. I'm going to check right now. We're, um, list. Control F. (laughs) Hanasaki. He's not on here. You people are slacking. This is tragic. Maybe it's like it's anime only, I guess. No, I've seen there's like manga only characters on this list. That's right. Miho appears a lot more than she should. <laughs> Man, wow. Uh, but yeah, I would just adapt it the exact same. I'm disappointed about the lack of Hanasaki in season zero, and I feel like they could have added some more stuff to that. Like, yet again, I think a shenanigan. A good shenanigan, additional shenanigans they could have added were like honestly they could have continued the idol sub- subplot and like have like Joey also attempting to sell sell tickets for like his idol debut or something mm-hmm. or Miho is also attempting to do an idol debut at like the karaoke store so then it's like it turns out not only it's not just that people don't want to buy tickets because they hate this guy it's also because there's like competing events <laughs> so it's even harder or something <laughs> what I'm fun. learning is that I'm only good at writing stupid subplots <laughs> and they have to they have to revolve around idols and competitions <laughs> mm-hmm. I think by the end of this, we're going to have successfully workshopped our own fan episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! That's always been the goal, honestly. Always. Okay, so um, our next chapter is uh, chapter six, which is called Into the Fire. So you will notice that we skipped four and five, if you cast your mind back. Um, Number four is the Jailbreak chapter with uh, Burger World and um, which was covered in an episode. And then five is um, another one that got adapted into an episode, but this episode doesn't come until like uh, later in season zero. So we'll get to it eventually. Oh, there's a really good uh, in-between chapters picture of Jinochi holding a puppy dog. <laughs> Aww. A little tiny dog. I won't say what I'm thinking. I won't say what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking. I should have just said a dog. <laughs> 
this chapter opens up the let me get my notes again hang on shuffle 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 <laughs> i know it's it's foley uh, it's, no it's analog i love it yeah we start off with um anzu is the class representative of their class good for her she's standing up at the board in school one day explaining that she's asking everybody for ideas of what their class is going to do at the school culture festival so um yeah cultural festival this is like one of those things that i know about because i watch anime and i've seen a bunch of different anime and manga that's like a japanese culture thing yeah. i always thought this would be cool and it was always like i wish we did this in america <laughs> like when i was younger i feel like i kind of have we kind of had the equivalent at my school uh like it wasn't called a school festival but it was um fair day i talked to other kids and most of them are like oh that's when we do like outdoor sportsy activities we had that and there was always a level of that, but we always had, it was like a three day thing. And we'd have one day of like basically like Olympics games. And then one day where I think the thing is, so I went to a public school, but it was like an insanely wealthy public school. Mm-hmm. They would like cart in like carnival games and stuff. And so it'd be like mm-hmm. a carnival game day. And then the third day was always a cultural day. It was really funny because everybody liked the Olympics one the most and hated the cultural one. But I was the opposite. I always hated the Olympics and I loved the cultural one. But was it something where like your, you as students had to like make the cultural booth? And That's true. We didn't. It always came in from somebody else. So yeah, because that's the part that I remember remember thinking was cool this is not even that close but did you have there's two things we also did in elementary school Mm -hmm. state day where everybody got a different state and had to present on that state (laughs) no i don't remember anything like that at my school and then we also had animal day where every kid in the school had to pick a different animal and it got really tense i actually like had a brief friend breakup with my my friends holly ellis because we both wanted panda and she was able to get panda because she's like, I'm Chinese, so it's part of my heritage. And the teacher was like, that's true. And so I had to take cheetah, and I was so pissed at her. <laughs> that's so funny. No, we didn't do anything like that in my in my. But I remember my step-grandpa, he's an artist, but he makes, like, really weird art. And he made, like, a cheetah statue that I, I ended up not bringing because it terrified me. Because <laughs> it was really, like, avant-garde and creepy. But it's a, it's a really good art. I love it now. I have it somewhere. But, um... It was not meant for second graders. That's really good. Well, so anyways, my, um, what I'm saying is I think that high schools in the U.S. should take the whole Japan, your class has to do a culture festival thing. Absolutely agree. And then, um, high schools in Japan should take prom from America. (laughs) So, um, the kids are shouting out suggestions for what they should theme their booth on. And um, various suggestions get rejected, including um, Jinochi's like, what if all the girls dress up in sexy outfits and then all of the girls like throw pencils at him, which is a good gag. Um, And then uh, Hanasaki is like comedy manga. And then everybody looks at him like, what are you talking about? Which is fair. I feel bad for him, but also it's fair because like, how are you going to do a school festival booth themed around that? Comedy manga? (laughs) Uh, Two things. Either like the boring thing would be, I guess, sell comedy manga, but then like the more fun thing would be to enact scenes from a comedy manga. But I don't feel like both have widespread appeal. So I I get Mm -hmm. why it's rejected. But yeah. Somebody says Haunted House, which would have been fun to see them do, but then they're like, oh, one of the other classes already took Haunted House, so we can't do that. Uh And so anyways, uh, and then Yugi's suggestion is, um, what if we did carnival games? You know, like when you go to a carnival and you have to do games and stuff at an amusement park, and then everybody, uh, that gets popular, and everybody's like, yeah, let's do that. So they spend the rest of the day like planning their carnival game thing, and they decide that they're going to have three games at their booth, and the games are Bluebeard, which, like, I've never seen this before. Mm-hmm. This, like, the pirate that pops out of the barrel thing, yeah. where you're, like, trying to hit a barrel and somebody dressed as a pirate falls out of the top. Uh-huh. Wait, so is it, like, human whack-a-mole? I was a little confused, actually, about, like, what the point was. There's, like, a person inside of a barrel uh-huh. and spring underneath them. People have to throw, it says wooden knives, there's like a diagram, and if you get in, if you hit the button, then it like pops the person out of the top. Oh, okay. So you're not trying to hit the person, you're trying to get them to spring up. Interesting. Okay. Um, So then the second game is Bottle Toss, which is just to knock over some bottles. So that one's cheap because all they need is a ball and some bottles. And then the third one is Shooting Gallery. 
I appreciate that the diagram here says uh, we borrowed Honda's air rifle because now we know that Honda's into skeet shooting, I guess. Checks out with him as a person. Well, with him in the manga, I don't believe that uh, season zero Honda owns an air gun. Oh, yeah. He'd be like, oh, that uh, stimulates negative activity or some stupid stuff. Oh, 100%. So, and then also, uh, Anzu managed to, there's, like, a lottery for where your booth is Mm -hmm. at the school, and Anzu's like, I got the best spot at the lottery. So then we get a little bit of a montage of them, like, working on the stuff. We see them. There's a panel of all of these different students working hard on putting together their booths. Uh, This is another example of those, like, fun little mini games. Has, like, a Where's Waldo thing going on, Mm -hmm. where it says, like, Yugi is somewhere in the big panel. Can you find him? And then you have to look for Yugi. (laughs) I'll post a link to this for anybody who doesn't read these. um, I'll post a link to this, and I want to, and you guys tell me you can can find Yugi. See how fast. It's not as easy as you would think, despite his hair. (laughs) Anyways, they're working on their thing. Um, Jinochi, uh, he has put together the Bluebeard, um, thing. He, there's, like, a giant mask with a pirate face made out of paper mache and they're like, wow, Jinochi, you're really good at building stuff. Mm -hmm. And then he says that he's good at making, um, plastic models and garage kits, which I, I loved to to learn that. Good little character moment. Then he, he climbs into the barrel because he wants to show them that it worked. Yeah, and they're like, we'll have to use you. We'll use you You as the pirate. You'll be the one who gets barrel pranked. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, and we were talking about other stuff that we did that was similar to this in school. Mm-hmm. Um, this reminded me that I once had to um, wear a chicken costume for our for my middle school Odyssey of the Mind team, which Ooh. I don't know. Do you know what Odyssey of the Mind is? We didn't do Odyssey <laughs> of the Mind. We did like... Um... It was called like brain games or something. Is is that what you're talking about? Where it was like a basically like trivia competitions? No, that like quiz bowl. No, Odyssey of the Mind is like you're. I was also in quiz bowl in high school. <laughs> I loved quiz bowl. Well, no, Odyssey of the Mind is like it was. A, it's like an after school thing oh, okay. where you're given quote unquote problems <laughs> to solve. There's like an a uh, version of it where people have to like build robots and stuff and that's like the science version i'm literally looking at the wikipedia page to remember how it works Mm -hmm. yeah there's like the technical sort category but we were in the performance category where we we were basically given a prompt and we had to make a play and it was just this team that i was on and i think the prompt was like dinosaurs and we we did some sort of bizarre story about how the dinosaurs like didn't recycle (laughs) and like ruin the environment somehow there was like an eco element to it anyways the point is part of our story our little mini play villain was like a giant chicken and so we made this chicken costume out of a bag (laughs) all right Right. I'm digging up all of these memories and then I wore it and then it was like who was going to get to have to keep the chicken costume but we made it out of like a trash can and I don't know this was it was basically we were like really bad at Odyssey of the Mind <laughs> so <laughs> back to this their happy school festival planning is interrupted by yet another Jojo reject man this guy is a senior from one of the other classes and he comes up and yells at Anzu. And he's like, this is our spot. What's his name? His name is um, Goro Inogashira. Okay. So I'll just call him Goro because that's shorter. <laughs> Sounds fair. Our class always um, does grill okonomiyaki every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then have you ever had okonomiyaki? Because I always thought they sounded good. I, I have not, but I think they look delicious. Yeah, it's footnoted helpfully by Viz as cabbage pancakes, sometimes known as Japanese pizza, which like, I don't, Japanese (laughs) pizza sounds like off to me. I don't think they sound anything like pizza, but uh, to each their own, I guess. Okay, so they've come up and they are demanding the place. 
And then um, they're like, you better get the hell out of here. They have this like grill that they make the, that they fry the okonomiyaki on and they're holding it like a battering round and they're like, get the fuck out. This guy, he punches Jonochi. Jonochi who is trapped in the barrel. That's the only reason he didn't put up a good fight. Yes. They do have to nerf Joey because he is supposed to be a good fighter. I just want to defend my man's honor for a bit. There's also like seven guys. That's true. Like, I don't think even Jonochi could beat up. Seven upperclassmen. Yeah. But still, he was also nerfed by the barrel. So anyway, this barreling ram. I'm just going to read some of the uh, dialogue from this because it's amazing. Go, Grill Brigade. Break down the carnival game booth. Give him the battering ram. <laughs> and they start using the grill like a battering ram. Feel the power of our six-inch thick 50-serving grill. Hmm. <laughs> mm interesting dialogue is so cheesy it's so delightful feel the power of our six are you trying to make it into an innuendo no why would you think that it was just a grill ellie god get your mind out of the gutter (laughs) so anyways um yugi tries to jump in front of the bodily you know protect them but he gets smacked by the grill and he gets hurt really bad and he actually like passes out mm-hmm. and um, wakes up in the school infirmary and then Anzu is waiting by his bedside at the infirmary I'm like wouldn't the school nurse like call his house or something no they're just oh you got beat up again this is just such a usual occurrence that they can't even they're just like eh we all know it's happening. It happens again. It happens so many times that they don't even care. Sadly, probably true. Anzu's like, it's fine. You know, just forget about this. And she turns to leave. But then um, as she's like going out the door, we see the Millennium Puzzle flash. And then um, she turns around and then suddenly uh, the bed is completely empty. So I guess Yami teleported. <laughs> No, I was just, no, the window's open. So I was assuming he jumped out the window. Because, let me check. It's not open in the le- in the first shot. And then it's yes. open in the second. So he just, he just yeeted out of the window. Respect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But this is, the next thing is like, so we see Goro is there. And he's like, you're the one who called me here in the middle of the night. And I'm like, this is what I was talking about earlier. Where it's like, how does Yami get their phone numbers? But I don't actually care. But part of me's like, damn, son open the yellow pages in modern times i'd be like oh he like posted on twitter or something like (laughs) hashtag goro fucking meet me at the park 9 p.m tonight get your wait wait what's the meet me me in the school festival if you want an ass kicking (laughs) (laughs) yeah that but unironically yeah all right but what's our game what's our game for today yeah so the game is uh, this this is an amazing shadow game. Uh-huh. I really love this. It's so crazy. Uh, yeah, this is a lot more creative than the dice one. So you have the grill, the very large grill. It's I've already heated it up. Yami says the surface is hotter than 100 degrees Celsius. And then you have a block of ice. And in the middle of the block of ice is a test tube, which has been, quote, filled with explosives hell yeah (laughs) and they have um spatulas which you would normally use to you know flip pancakes and he says i call this griddle ice hockey so if you've ever played air hockey like at an arcade where the puck is going back and forth and you have to like smack it into the other person's um end zone that is basically the concept of the game except that um when they start playing the idea is like the ice is melting because it's on a extremely hot grill and at some point the ice will melt and then the explosives will hit the thing and they will explode mm-hmm. oh here's just just another really good quote when you put a spatula in my hand no one can match me <laughs> <laughs> yeah cuz they're using metal spatulas for the rackets yeah exactly So then, boom, boom, this is the most intense game of air hockey you've ever witnessed in your life. And uh, Yami's like, he's too powerful. His his strength is incredible. (laughs) It's like sports anime style. Like, every time one of them makes a hit, they they each get, like, ten lines of dialogue where they're like, it's just so fast. Uh, My heart is beating. As we see the puck sliding and it has the, like, kata, kata or whatever, like, each time. If you're going to read like any one of these chapters and haven't, you should read this one because I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) 
You absolutely should read number six, baby. Number six. So then um, Yami's like, I'll use his, I have to use his strength and speed against him. Again, this is very sports anime. You're right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He secretly, he like angles his spatula in such a way that it nicks the side of the ice block and puts a crack in it. So when um, Goro tries to like volley it back, it breaks in half. He hits it so hard. Yeah, because he hits it so hard, it snaps in half. The test tube pops out. It falls, and there's a massive explosion. <laughs> Hell yeah. So the punishment game is just like, yeah, he gets the shit blown out of him. And it's not, you know, there's no illusion. He literally just blows up. Yeah, like, we need to discuss, did this ma- did, did this boy die? Like- yeah, like, did they, did they cut, did, like, the students of Yugi's class come the next day and found this, like, exploded van? And we're like, oh, I guess this is our territory now again. <laughs> Here's the thing. They take back. They're like, now we're going to take our spot back. Mm -hmm. So that means that he must have not died because somebody had to come back and like move the grill back to, you know, the other spot that the Okonomiyaki seniors were supposed to be using. Yeah. If I was, if I was Yami, I would just like make him feel the pain of explosion and be like, okay, you have to clean up and like move your grill solo and everything. Like you have to slave away all night. So that's what I'll internally think of is happening. The sort of denouement is that um, all of the kids in Yugi's class, pull an all-nighter and work um, really hard all at once to fix up their carnival game booth. Yay! It was a big hit, and they had a good time. And Jinochi got launched out of the Bluebeard barrel. <laughs> and alright, my, my notes for how I would censor this episode, you pretty much called it. I'd be like, replace game with air hockey, and the mm-hmm. enemy team is like the hockey team i don't know if japanese schools have a hockey team but i don't care (laughs) i think that yeah i mean i honestly i i would just censor this by getting rid of the whole like it's an explosive Mm -hmm. i think i would have something something that's like non-lethal but that would be activated by heat maybe like a dye packet or something but that wouldn't really be on theme though because this is one of the things that i really like about this and that I like about early Yu-Gi-Oh in general mm-hmm. is there's something that really draws me about these like weird very weird but like simple and you can understand how they work games oh absolutely these and, rules and like we've said before like the best games are always when it's like they use their own fatal flaw against them and I think mm-hmm. the simpler the game the more easy it is to tell like what exactly the flaw is so it's like oh you're like so used to using brute strength I think I would just set replace the explosive with some sort of buzzer like maybe a scent like a temperature sensor of some kind so that like when it hits the grill it'll buzz like really loudly and that'll be like the indication that you've lost and then like maybe the penalty game is um goro imagines that he's like being flipped as a pancake or something like that but it's all an illusion that'd be pretty fun actually Basically, I wouldn't want to change. I would want to change the game as little as, as possible. possible. Yeah, exactly. Because I really like it. I really like, oh, he put a crack in the ice. Something I really like in stories in general is the whole, just a setup where for a game or like a, a unique power or something like that. This is something that comes up in other like shonen series. Mm-hmm. It's like a puzzle trying to figure out the answer to how to beat this opponent and how to use their this against them like this is something that in jojo's bizarre adventure a lot of the times somebody will have a stand power that has these really specific rules mm-hmm. and then the question of the episode is like how are we going to get around these like super specific rules yeah and that's kind of the same thing i don't know i really like that about Yu-Gi-Oh. i really like that about stories in general where there's like how are we going to get past this person's like really weird power i totally agree yeah yeah, I think it's because Yu-Gi-Oh brain poisoned me as a child and therefore <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Yeah, weird action scenarios. So yeah, um that about covers, yeah, those hopefully we've convinced you to start reading the Yu-Gi-Oh manga if you've been following along or haven't read it already, because it's very fun. And yeah, just it's got a lot of character that we can't especially in the art style that we can't get through with our summaries. I love when it looks like Yami doesn't have a nose when he gets angry. Yeah. Both ominous and adorable at the same time. <laughs> He's just small and full of murder, and it delights me to no end. 
All right, but yeah, we'll be back at it hopefully next week, going back to Season 0 episodes, and hopefully in the future we'll have an episode covering some other chapters uh, that aren't covered by the Season 0 anime. So look forward to that. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the scheduling is going to look like because we're working out things with some people that we want to have come on as guest hosts, but uh, uh, eventually you will hear us discuss um, all of the chapters Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the manga that were adapted in. It'll it'll come eventually. Let us know if uh, your school did any cool activities. (laughs) Yeah, to give us, tell stories. Yeah, tell us um, whether or not you think uh, getting blown up is an appropriate punishment for taking someone's spot at the school card. And remember, <laughs> there's only one right answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com. 